1: Hey everybody! Welcome to episode three hundred and eight of the podcast that goes snicked, snicked. I'm your host Jason, and I have once again the almighty Excalibros Dan and Georgie. Hello. And we're back. Uncanny Ex Dan and his amazing friends are in the house. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, this episode is going to focus on Uncanny X Men: The r- 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 Relaunch. Um, yeah, so we'll talk about that. We have a few things to talk about first. Um, so, guys, uh, springboarding out of the Uncanny r- 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 Relaunch, um, we have five new Age of X Men series. Right? Is it five, or are there five each? I don't. Maybe there's six series. I don't remember. Um, with some comics coming out? Um, <laughs> so we'll, we'll just talk about those real quickly. Um, so we have Age of X Men, the Marvelous X Men, one of five, um, written by Lonnie Nadler and the third X Thompson, Zach Thompson, uh, and art by Marco. I'm sorry, Marco Fila. Um And this seems to be an. A somewhat interesting team we have um looks like a version of Jean gray is uh, what do y'all think of, of this lineup or this book that we can see uh, are these alternate versions i don't
0: i don't know i think it's um, supposed they, to be like should... age of apocalypse but instead it's age of x-men right so it's alternate versions of the characters we know in this alternate universe
1: Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, so we have a version of Gene, Amputee Colossus, uh, Lady Hawk Laura, Dapper Nightcrawler. I don't know who's that. Is that supposed to be a Donnie Moonstar? In... It's Na- I think it's Nature Girl, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, the Antlers. I see them now. Okay. And then the X Man himself. Um. I don't know Huntsman Magneto and Wakandan Warrior Storm. I guess. Sure. All right. So that's gonna be a thing. (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I guess the age age of something means someone has to lose a hand. So (laughs) it was was Wolverine this time. Right. Right. All right. So there's that one. So are all these then alternate? So, cause we also have this next-gen uh, written by Ed Brisson and art by Marcus Toe, which I, I think I I'll I will enjoy the art on that. I have been in, I enjoyed what Toe did towards the end of Blue, um, but this is going to be the ex-kids. Yeah. Have they de-aged Gold Balls and the
2: girl that can go through time? Because weren't they, like, older...
1: <laughs> it depends I on that. how they're supposed to be on this cover I can't tell if they're like little kids and yes they have they've also de-aged and brought back maggot it looks like and I feel like Glob's trying to sneak out of the room <laughs> that's what yeah. stuck out the most to me about that cover um, and there's chickens in the bottom
0: I don't know Like this, this really annoys me that they keep sort of de-aging all the ex-characters like I don't understand how these different levels of or grades of students come in and they 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 grow they go through like schooling and training and then they become flexmen and then a new book comes out and they're like, hey, there are still trainees, and they're actually the only fourteen again. They're not like eighteen. I don't well, why do we need to keep doing this over and over again?
1: Yeah. I don't know. I I, I kind of wonder how old
0: like Jubilee is in, in the editor's mind at, at X-Men? Is she only like 17 years old now? Or, or, or what's the deal?
1: Yeah, I have no idea. Uh, I think it depends on who's writing her, <laughs> to be <laughs> honest. Um, she can be anywhere from 12 to 20. You yeah. Kind of squeeze her in somewhere. Um, so we also have a newly uniformed Nightcrawler miniseries, yeah. um, The Amazing Nightcrawler. Uh, by Shannon Maguire and Juan Rodriguez, um, that could be fun. Maybe. It's
2: one I'm looking forward to, because I like the creative team and I love Nightcrawler, and I hope this means that he splinters off from the X Men and good goes to like the Avengers and good writers start writing him. Um,
1: but I okay. think it's that's the same Nightcrawler that's in the Marvelous X Men, though, right? He has the same yeah, pop It's collar. A different
2: X. Ex- it's it's the, it's the alternate version.
1: Yeah, yeah. Just, okay.
2: It feels like. Cause, I'll, no, we'll finish. And I'll, I'll I'll explain. <laughs> <laughs> okay,
1: all right. And then we have the extremist uh, by Lee Williams and Old Bishop alumni, uh, George's Genty, um, in which we have Matrix Jubilee, um, Psylocke, uh, Blob. Who's that on the top? I don't know who's on the top. Oh, Star. Oh, no, North Star. Okay. Oh. And then we have like um almost uh what's the movie uh what's the movie with the dancers? That's what Iceman reminds me of. Um Magic Mike. Magic Mike, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah. then um who so who's then the kid? She's the new character. It's cause uh oh, Williams
2: right. tweeted it out saying that her book's got actual gay characters and then they're going to actually be gay and then there's a new character as well
1: Okay, very cool It
0: also has Jordan D. White as the blob so, you know <laughs> Wow It looks just like him I mean, I'm not the only one that made that comparison A number that's of people funny. tweeted that to him He's like, I've never noticed that before and I feel like that's disingenuous because this is obviously him finding a way to get into the Xbox somehow
1: That's funny I guess at least, it, at least it's self-depreciating. I don't know. <laughs> um, and then the other one we have is Prisoner X, written by Vida Aiella and Herman Peralta. I, mean, sounds, I feel like I've seen his art somewhere before. But I don't recognize the writer. And we have in jail um, Bishop somebody, Polaris Beast, and Moonstar, maybe.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's Moonstar. Is is he the one, Gabby? Because of the scars, I thought it was Gabby.
1: Oh, yeah, you're probably right. That probably but is could, Gabby.
2: Could be yep. anyone.
1: <laughs> and then um, we have Apocalypse and the Extracts. Oh with, yeah. Uh, a T-shirt, Apocalypse. Kid Apocalypse. Uh, Mod Dapster. Da- <laughs> Mod Dazzler. Um, and I don't know who else. Oh, I-Boy. Yeah, really cool I-Boy. And so I guess then that's I- no, I don't think not look like i powers, though. Who's the rainbow girl? I have, I have no idea. Okay. And then casual bell-bottom girl in the back. Also don't know who that is. Is it just me or all these covers? A- hey.
0: Kind of poor quality and B really hard to tell who's who.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, at
2: least an Age of Apocalypse, which is, is obviously riffing off. You instantly sort of went, "Oh, that's that guy, or oh, that girl, and that's that, and that's that." This is like, who is that random dude dressed completely normal?
1: Right. Yeah. <laughs>
0: So what's the excitement here? Are you guys excited for any of these? Are you happy? Are you
1: Joe well, Y'all hear Always screaming in the background because that's kind of his take on these books.
2: <laughs> I'm kind of there with him. I, I just want the Nightcrawler one, and it reminds me slightly of House of M, mainly because I feel like Nightcrawler is Miss Marvel in this situation because it looks like he's famous and um, really popular, like she was at House of M. And it's like it looks like a positive world for mutants, apart from the whole Big Brother is watching you, mutants. But you know what I mean. But other yeah. than that, I'm kind of like the Leia Williams one. I'm looking forward to mainly because of her writing. Yeah, um,
1: yeah, I'll give it a shot for sure.
2: And I, I like Marcus Toe, but other than that, it, it, it's just kind of
1: another set
2: of alternate realities. <laughs> right,
1: right. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm pretty lukewarm on the concept we talk about my kind of lack of interest in x-men in general but i guess we're gonna have i mean i'm guessing this is gonna be like the the polar opposite of age of apocalypse it's gonna be my mutant euphoria um whatever so we'll see i mean i'll probably read them but i don't know what i'll think about them (laughs) my question
0: and this is going to come up a little bit later is how, how are the X-Offices viewing x Man? Because he was created for a very specific purpose, and he wasn't like an all-powerful character. Like, he had power, like offensive power, but he couldn't just, like, create the world anew. So I don't... I have questions.
2: It might be like um, is it Age of X, so it was all in someone's head. Possibly. Or um, yeah. well, the other time they had an alternate reality where it was all in someone's head. Or that other time. Right. So many. <laughs> or
1: maybe maybe Mr. X maybe it's really the age of Mr. X.
2: Oh God. Yes, he still exists, doesn't he? Uh, that, in theory. <laughs> what I'm looking forward to the most what I am generally looking forward to the most is your boys' reaction when we talk about them.
1: Right. Yeah. The <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Agreed. It'll be it'll be good podcast fodder, for sure. Um <laughs> Well, speaking of talking about things, why don't we go and jump into uh, X-Men Red, number 10. Number Dan got... Uh, oh, by the way, listeners, um, everyone, it's a little late now, but wish uh, Mr. Nicole a happy birthday. Uh, he recently had a very nice birthday, I'm assuming, right? He had a, had a pretty good birthday. We're talking he got lots of cool stuff. Yeah, I had a really good birthday. I got super spoiled. So... Um... That's always
2: the best way of having a birthday. I feel. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it was awesome. Thank you very much.
1: Yeah, and so for his birthday, he got to talk about the best book. So why
2: would
1: you not? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Thank you so much.
0: We are happy to 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 fall on our swords this week, Dan.
2: <laughs> no more, no more extinction. Anyway, um right, Yes, X Men X, X- Men Red number ten, one away from the end, and. Um, We have Tom Taylor uh, as writer. Um, For for a second, I literally read it as rogue. I added a U. Oh, nice. Um, Roger Antonio um, as artist. Rain Burrito as color artist. Uh, Feces Cory Petit Petit, for letterer. And Jenny Frischin is on the main cover. And on the main cover is Gene ominously trying to grab my sweets. And by candy. sweets you mean candy, not something else, I hope. Yes, candy. Sorry, sorry American.
1: <laughs> Grabbing my candy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: <laughs> yeah. What do not we think of the cover?
2: I love the colour work. I, really Me too. Love the color. I feel like and this, this is, is easily the, the worst one. part of the issue. Yeah. Yeah, because I agree, but I think it's still one of the better sort of solo people ones.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. Oh, other than I actually like it. Other than the hand starts getting a little weird, especially if you focus too hard on the pinky finger. Um, other than that, I think it's a pretty good cover. But her her Wonder Woman cover this week was very very nice. That was a really good book. I enjoyed that book. Yeah, I still need to read it. I yeah, me remember. too. I haven't read it yet, but... Oh, well, alright then. <laughs> <laughs> it's on my list. I want to read it. Actually, Uh, it's I think number two or number three next on my list, so it's, I'm playing a lot of catch-up this week.
2: So, um, we opened X-Men Ten Ten 10 with X-Men Red 10 um, with Gene Je- making a lot of sense about how our species is an utter shambles and... Um, we, we won't survive ourselves, which makes sense. Um, and she monologues with a lot of hate, which is bizarrely not like Jean. Hmm, I wonder what's wrong with that. But anyway, moving <laughs> forward, a helicarrier, uh, a Korean helicarrier, because why wouldn't anyone else have a helicarrier, um, is taken over by Cassandra Nova, it was seen and they're going off to is it Genosha? Yes and then one of my favourite panels in the book is Ghost Jean's head and a lot of planes um, heading to Genosha and she's still threatening all of humanity and then all of a sudden we go to Exelantis and we find out it's not Jean it's just a really sophisticated sort of um, video thing that they now have in the world these days where you can pretend to be someone and lip-sync, uh, paint through it. Um, and so everyone's like, oh shit, we should deal with that. <clears throat> and there's a lot of, and uh, Namor's in it, surprise, surprisingly, <laughs> Namor actually has something to say. And our X-Men devise a plan, and, um... Gabby has a really good suggestion, or just, like, sort of opens Gene's mind to another suggestion, which is probably one of my favourite, sort of, interactions. Uh, yeah. Gabby and Gene together have been, like, brilliant this entire yes. time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have a news report where, is this the same news news uh, channel as before, where it used to be a woman and a man, and that man got really, like, sort of aggressive, and then all of a sudden now it's just two women? Um, I think it is. Maybe. That's kind of kind of, like, a nice, like, through line. I like the fact that, that that TV channel is evolving as the book progresses. Um, so we have... Um, even though it's like... Uh, was it is it Storm that says that even though we can prove it's a fake, people will believe what they want to believe anyway?
1: Yes. Yeah, I thought that was a really kind of relevant. telling and relevant line. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. And then, who should turn up at x to help but Tony Stark? Um... Who has all the cool toys? Hence, why he was asked for help. And then they go the the team, our our faithful team, go to Genosha to finally confront um, Cassandra Nova. And as Cassandra's all like, "Right, I'm going to kill you with all the soldiers I've possessed." Jean's like, "No way!" And um, everyone has a nice little fight. And then the coolest part of the book is that Jean pulls out a secret weapon, which is a Magneto helmet. And then we find out our entire team has Magneto helmets and then all of Namor's army has Magneto helmets and then the Avengers turn up and they put Magneto helmets on and everyone has a Magneto helmet and everyone's really cool and happy. And then we have like a little splash face of waging peace next time. Um, So, yes, that was a rundown of the best book that we're going to talk about. (laughs) Uh, How do you guys feel about all of the elements? Coming forward to the, the big reveal of the big plan. It's just silence. Go ahead, Jason. You there? I feel like Jason died.
0: Well, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll jump in. Um, and <laughs> I really enjoyed this issue. I think uh, I've enjoyed the, the artist that took over. I guess it's the third penciler we've had, right? Yeah. Um, uh, so I've really enjoyed the artwork uh i feel like uh being on colors throughout the whole thing has really kept uh the artwork consistent uh as much as possible and the color work here is still on point it's fun it's it's like there's some laughs there's some like real thought put into the story uh it's like what an x-men book should be and i'm not i'm not the first one to point out but i really loved uh, the panel of, uh, of Cap shaking Gene's hand and said, You know, we should have been here to support you earlier. Um, because, you know, dis- despite recent like turmoil between the Avengers and the X Men, originally they were not like antagonistic towards each other for like decades. So uh, seeing them work together is, is kind of nice.
2: And um, do you know what that moment feels like? It feels like a moment where a writer finally acknowledged the fact that the Avengers have been arseholes for the better part of two decades to the X-Men. <laughs> because I always remember when anyone ever says that the Avengers are heroes and the X-Men were always in the wrong when it comes to, like, AVX, like I always remember Emma Frost's confrontation with Iron Man in Civil War, where she's, mm. like, where were you when all our children were burning and dying? Like, you've got, like, what, 200 kids have just died? We have an entire, like, planet's worth of people dead. something." of thing. <laughs> and um, I always remember that. It's quite powerful um, sequence of events and um i feel like this is a final moment a moment where it's like yes we are all in this together and this is the whole point of the book right it's been like going forward this idea that we should come together to fight this hatred and this sort of just dark horrible bullshit um what, what did, you, did think you think of
0: of magneto's helmet uh, you know this symbol of magneto being used to uh, quote unquote bring about peace or, or unite people
2: Right. So I think it was a brilliant idea because much like Jean, I love the idea that she's like, he's had one good idea, Um, even though I don't like the man. But what I thought was weirdly poetic is that on the shattered shores of Genosha, wearing a helmet worn by a fascist who believes he was doing the right thing, they're actually going to attempt to create a peaceful resolution. And I like the idea that it's all going to be born from these, these desperate moments of, of people who who have been defined by their hatred and in a place that was destroyed by hate i just feel like it's it it feels purposeful even if i'm reading too much into it but um i thought it was nice and beautiful and a really interesting choice
1: yeah i think it was really cool um so i have like two or three very minor squabbles with the book I want to get those out of the way and then ignore them so that I can focus on all the things I really like. Um, the only thing I wasn't sure about is if these Magneto helmets are this accessible, <laughs> why, is it not, why doesn't everyone use them all the time so it's not to be ever controlled by psychic powers? Um, I think that's kind of... a You need to kind of ignore that and just go with the story, so I understand that. Um, the other thing I understand why it's really dramatic for them to show up and then put the helmets on, but against Cassandra Nova, I think it would have made more sense for the Avengers to get off the boat with the helmets on. Cause I mean that split second, she could have taken them all over. Um, and the only other thing that I thought was kind of weird is I really liked the line where captain America is like, we should have been beside you all from the start, but I feel like captain America has said that to the mutants at least four or five times in history and maybe they should just kind of quit forgetting that.
0: Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs>
1: so, But I do love, I love, love, love that when Cap shakes Gene's hand that Gabby salutes him, that to me is one of the highlights of the book. <laughs> the other thing is sincere, but also hilarious. And then, um, but back to, I guess, the main point. So th- those squabbles aside, I think it's really, really cool to try to Take a very conflicted character who has very complex mutant history and try to redeem something a symbol of his to make a positive stance. I think I think any time that happens like in culture or in history, uh that's always a cool thing, and the idea of Gene trying to reclaim kind of a victory through some magneto symbolism is really, really cool to me. I um to answer your,
2: if, are they accessible? I thought Trinery and Tony made all the helmets. Okay, all right, because that's how it read to me in my head. But I do hope they all they destroy them afterwards, or everyone everyone will have one. And...
1: Right, because <laughs> <laughs> I mean the whole ancient army. That's got to be like, we're talking hundreds of helmets here. So yes, yeah. so the cool Name thing is they, they can destroy them and then. Like ten years down the road someone can find one in Atlantis. Yeah. Like just kinda of buried in some rubble somewhere and got lost. That that would be cool. So future X Men writers, remember that there's a helmet in Atlantis. <laughs> Courtesy of the podcast that goes snicked. Um, <laughs> so I uh I really love the opening in this book with the really stark black background of Gene. Looks really great. And I'm gonna say, possibly. I don't. I don't know. I don't know this. How you guys will think about this? I think Roge Antonio on this book is like almost as good as Azor. Um, I'm really, really enjoying the art, particularly with his facial expressions and emoting in his art. I think is really, really great.
2: Um, oh yeah for sure um after, after well we'll we'll get in a bit with uncanny um i think the assistance with the art is that there's a lot of thought behind the coloring in this book it's not just colored because of it has to be this has to be blue because it's the sea um i feel like there's like color that's helping emote the art as well mm-hmm. and like identify certain things uh, for the reader before like the reveals like the simple fact that jeans costumes completely miscolored at the beginning like a shoulder pads like and the things like a black Like it feels like there's conscious choices being made actual creative choices and i feel like um the artwork um easily is as mo as motive as as well it can be um it, it crowd scenes get a little muddy yeah but nothing to be like exactly be like, oh my god i'll throw this in a bin now um because it's only like it's it it's just it's that moment of like um i bef- i would rather have crowd scenes be muddy and the fine details of my characters than everything be muddy um which we're going to talk about that later mm-hmm. i think um so i am i'm, I'm kind of with you there jason um yeah
0: agreed i mean there were a couple issues in the middle of this series that i wasn't quite on board with as much as you guys were uh because we had uh that middle artist who I was a little shaky on, but um, Antonio has been great. And the, as I mentioned earlier, the consistency of having Barreto as color artist the whole way through has been super helpful for this book.
1: Yeah, I agree. Well, I, don't you guys have anything else to say? I'm going to just go ahead and throw out there. I'm going to give this book the highest marks. Um,
2: I'm going to, after reading again, I'm I'm probably going to agree because it just sort of things along doesn't it
1: really well yeah
0: i mean this is easily still a great book uh i mean out of all if, if we're uh, team books obviously this is the best x team book uh, out there right now uh, even if we were to say that this came out around the same time as gold and blue and astonishing this is easily better than than any 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 of those yeah um Maybe, maybe the I'd best X book it. coming out, it, it'd be hard to, you know, this is wonderful. Mr. and Mrs. X can be great. Domino can be a lot of fun as well. So it's hard to say which is definitely the best. But, you know, what Im- embodies uh, the principles of the X-Men best, I would have to say, is this book. Uh, yeah. so, so six out of six for me.
2: Yep. I'd argue that me this too. is one of the, the best X books to have come out in a good couple of years.
1: Yeah. I, I, this book is pretty uncanny. <laughs> I wish. Uh, yeah, definitely. we wish. <laughs> yeah. exactly. <laughs> no. So, so Dan, are you going to join me and Georgie with Six Claws?
2: Definitely. definitely. Okay.
1: Yep. Yeah, it is. I, I'm really, really bummed with the way this book is going <laughs> to unfortunately be treated to make room for other things. Um. But alas, I guess that's how how comic goes sometimes, but um mm-hmm. no this is this book has been a pure treat and a delight and yeah one of the one of the best X books in a long time, and it'll be one of the best volumes um gosh, I mean just up there with the best stuff, like two thousand on I would say um yeah, so all right, well. That's not really where the X-Men universe is going, though. Where it's going is, um... Going to be launching out of Uncanny X-Men number one... A.K.A. uh, issue 620... If you're going by legacy numbering... Um... This is X-Men Disassembled Part One... Um... And... We got Team. It's a team book... And is made by a team... Um... So our writers are Ed Brisson, Matthew Rosenberg, and Kelly Thompson. Um, And alphabetical by last name. There you go. Um, Art by Mahmoud Azrar. Colors by Rochelle Rosenberg. uh, Letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. And the main cover by Linneal Francis Yu and Edgar Delgado. And then a lot of variant covers. Some of them new, some of them not as new. and some of them really good. And some of them not as good. <laughs> um, but we won't really go through all those. Uh, but this cover is a team shot. Staring down the barrel of Bishop's gun. And then he's front and center. Behind him are Psylocke, Nightcrawler. And then row three is Jean and Storm. And then we got Bobby, Beast, and X-23. And then in the back is Jubilee and Cannonball. What do you guys think of, of the cover?
0: I don't know I'm... if I could yell meh loud enough about this cover. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I don't I don't particularly like it. But it's not like upsetting. It just feels like um Do you remember when you used to get a sort of, like you'd have like a, a row of X-Men? like, sort of Jim era, um, and you get, like, a row of ones where it's, like, Omega Red strikes, blah, 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 and then all of a sudden it's just, like, a team shot for no reason, and then it turns back to what's inside the book. I feel like this is kind of, like, that one <laughs> random <laughs> team shot uh, issue. That's, yeah. Um...
0: It, you know, I'm struggling to remember, is Cannibal even in this issue? I feel like I don't, I didn't
2: see him <laughs> in the issue. <laughs> oh, I have something to talk about, actually, about the blonde boys in this issue. Um, so yeah, we'll. I'll get to that when we we get to it. Okay. I, don't
1: think, I was thinking he was, but yeah, he is barely. He's in the um, the, I don't the know, crowd. What do call it? The premonition scene. He's also right. in the crowd. Oh, is he?
2: Yes, he is. You okay. But um, all right. Can I just can I say one thing before you you talk about the whole book uh story is that I actually really like the creative creator's title page being like homage to sort of the colors of blue. And I used to have a book, which was like called X-Men Essentials. It was like a thing that had all of like, it was like a Wikipedia page, but in a book like they used to do. Encyclopedias, that's what it was called. Um, and it had this coloring like that, and it just reminds me of that. And um, it has the better picture of Aswell's as X-Men uh, in it as well. So Yeah,
0: it's almost like this is the best page of the book artistically. I
2: was going to say,
1: <laughs> this, is, this, this is my favorite page. <laughs> it should have been that that image that promo image should have been the cover yeah i think it's a better Um, image yeah um okay well so then we also get a roster um which is basically just all the characters captioned from that image we just talked about and broken into squares um Uh i wish this was animated so they could look at each other like in the brady bunch like Bishop can look down at Iceman. Iceman can look over at Beast, who's holding his glasses. He can put his glasses down on his nose and look down at Armor. And then Armor can look over to Anoli. Um, but, alas, it's a, it's a still image. Um, by David Marquez, right? And the, all these yep. are by... Yeah. Okay. All right, so then we start off with a multiple man. Uh, possibly related to the miniseries that just ended, but I forgot to read it all. Um, and I forgot, I mean, chose not to. Um, <laughs> and um, But he's looking for Kitty Pride and he's asking Gene where Kitty is, but Laura snicks him through the head in a very creepy panel, where you just see the top of her hair and eyes in the background, and she's like, Gene, I saved you! And then we go all red, as our X-Men are fighting a bunch of multiple men, Multiples men, multiple men. I don't know the whatever the portal is for that. Multiples
0: um, men, <laughs> multiples
1: men. Yeah, and um, <laughs> and they're all looking for Kitty, but no one wants to just say, "Hey, well, Kitty's actually over here." They just want to kill all the multiples men, and so that's what they're doing. And Laura's getting she's slicing and dicing, storms frying uh, with lightning, cannonball is knocking some people out. Nightcrawler's got a guy, he's going to give him a noogie. Uh, I love the facial expression on the one that Psylocke is uh, telekinetically stabbing. Um, he's like, ugh! Like his brain just got scrambled. Um, and one of them was belching out Bishop's energy, I guess, because he took the brunt of it. Um, but yeah, and I, I feel like this might have to do with the multiple man story because the multi, one of the multiple mans has Toad Tongue. I know they all had different powers in that book. So, and plus Rosenberg wrote it. So I'm assuming it's connected somehow. But um, anyway, Jean is at breakfast and suddenly when she goes, where's Kitty Pride? And Laura's like, uh, on the, on the training exercise. Remember? And then we get a nice little scene where, I don't know why Laura has orange slices on her claws, but she does. And Iceman is like, that's gross. Are those clean? <laughs> it says, "Imagine how clean they'd be if I carved you into an ice sculpture." I know that was funny. And Ice Man's like, "All right, I'm, I'll leave it." All right. So then we fight. Um, so Kitty's got the students going to save a factory or museum or something, um, maybe a pharmaceutical place, and they're gonna fight Forearm, which I thought was a bad guy from Young Blood, but I guess he's also in the Mutant Liberation Front.
0: He also sounds like a He-Man
1: villain. Yes, he does. He sure does. Yeah. And so Kitty has her team of um, Armor, ID, Glob, Anole, Pixie, and Rock Slide. And they're going to go train because, hey, this is a light mission. You guys can handle it. But somebody phases Kitty through the dashboard, which, of course, short circuits the blackboard. Uh, Pixie gets a concussion. All the kids panic as they crash into the place they're trying to save. So, uh-huh. point of order, Kitty gets sort of phased through the
0: dashboard or taken over or whatever. Remember remember this for later
1: on. Okay. Alright, so then we go to Africa and the desert... Can I, can I, can I bring a point up? One second. Yeah. Um,
2: there is no peril in this sequence when one can fly. One can't be destroyed. One is made of armor. One can regenerate. One can. Uh, one other can fly, and someone can carry the blob dude. But they well, That's cry. why
1: that's why Pixie gets her head hit, so she can't teleport them away.
2: But armor can turn massive
1: and just save them. Okay, <laughs> they The trained X Men. They're not children. One of Glove's power should eventually be that he can be like a giant, like stuntman cushion. Yes. He should be able to expand his, his globbiness. But, and and um, can I just also point out that
2: no one seems to know how to draw a gnoll recently, because he actually has a human face, and just like a carapace on his head. Not like a weird lumpy face, like it is here. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways. yeah, Lumpy face.
1: Also, what happened to his big arm? Didn't he have a big arm?
2: Uh, He's probably just taken away because it's too much effort to write big arm. in a. Okay.
1: Right. All right. So then we go to Africa, um, where it's raining uncontrollably and so uncontrollably that Storm, the controller of weather, cannot control it. And Beast is taking samples. <laughs>
0: and yep. so that's another another point, another somehow the weather's being controlled. <laughs> Jason, and you
2: said that, like you were reading to like four years. <laughs> that is <laughs> amazing. It just proves what this book's like. Oh my god. Okay. <laughs>
1: So So Misa's taking samples And this this lake that was A desert an hour ago Has not only filled up with water But grown fish Mm -hmm. So it kind of feels like I don't know if you guys remember I think it's from Matt Fraction's run Maybe where he does the Tabula Tabula Rosa place or whatever Oh, Where stuff, we're stuff like stuff next um, oh yeah 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 blow it, up, yeah. They
2: blow it up yes. and then they regrow
1: it all yeah and stuff grows like it evolves like super fast and skips steps and stuff like that kind of what this feels like might be going on so I already have like an apocalypse vibe in the back of my head but I'm kind of setting that to the side and going to see what the story gives us um, so then our our team climbs out of the Blackbird because we're back in, in that place. And we meet the a new Mutant Liberation Front, complete with Wildside, Side, Dragon S, Forearm, Strobe, who I remember, and a guy named Samurai, who we know is a samurai because he has a Karate Kid headband.
0: Yeah, you couldn't be more generic.
1: I don't know if he's an existing character or not, um, but I don't remember him. Um, I kinda Wild Side. remember the rest wildside it's been,
2: I feel like the nineties have just splurged onto my page
1: oh yeah, these are all these are all like image because wildside and forearm look like young blood bad guys um and then um yeah, so all right, so fighty fight um. And then, um, oh, our veterans show up in the form of Polaris, Nightcrawler, and X-23. Um, we get a magnetic power or fastball special. Because um, is a big kid now. Mommy, wow. Um, Basically. Yeah. Um, and and then- she can single-handedly take out all these people which like I agree with seconds. I have no problem with that actually <laughs> because I think Laura could take all these guys out pretty easily but um but in conjunction
0: like the other you know six X-Men right, characters could be right. that's where thing. the
1: problem is, is that they couldn't take them out easily and then Enol had to knock out and then multiple man is just kind of slapping everybody for some reason he's he's really got to stick up his uh, asses <laughs> um so Laura's like amateurs. And then we go to City Hall in Manhattan where we have Senator Ashton Allen. and A.K.A.
2: He... Senator Graydon Creed, A.K.A. Robert Kelly, A.K.A. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, right. um, Anti-X-Men Senator. But I actually thought his... Not the twist on... Because it's not really a cure. He's introducing a vaccine. And we'll, we'll talk about that more in a second. Because actually when I set the book down, it has some interesting thoughts about that. Um, but they're waiting for Kitty to show up and make a counterpoint. But obviously she has been disposed of. So they're trying to figure out, well, who's going to, who's going to step up and talk. Um, and so Jean is about to, with the multiple man shows up and says, ah, I'm not Kitty," but, uh, 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 and you just kind of, I don't know. I kind of hear that voice when he talks. Um, <laughs> I love the mixture of like clapping and booze clap, clap, boo, clap, clap, boo, um, in the audience. Um, he's, he's like, I'm here to make this kind of interesting by making it mysterious somehow,
0: because that's like uh, innovative writing.
2: <laughs> right. Not not the most out of all of the sequence is that Jean is scared to talk in front of a crowd of people.
1: Well, yeah, because X-Men Red is, didn't happen, apparently. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> instantly, all of that has gone down the drain. Like, instantly. Right.
1: The other yeah. thing
0: I want to point out is just because Jubilee says, hey, haven't we seen this before, doesn't excuse the book from using the same trope again.
2: And also, can I also point out that the art has made um, Salok even more Asian when she's supposed to be... Uh, <laughs> and oh, this yeah. Is I'm, talking about. I'm talking about the blonde boys. Right? Without the color-coded t-shirts, um, Warren, who no longer... H- I don't know how he hides his wings anymore, but Warren and um, Sam, look the same. And so does Bobby. But, but you can tell it's Bobby because he has brown hair.
1: And a, so and a
2: to... ball cap. If
0: we can get to the art later, that'll be great because, I mean, the, the artwork on, on this this page alone of, of Psylocke and Angel is it, we need to address some things.
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh, this North Star's here because, because there's been heavy complaints that the X Office is slightly not kind to LGBT folks, so let's throw in North Star. Um, see? Token.
1: Um, bless <laughs> them so then we go back to beast sick bay where he's trying to talk to ID and a and he tells the kids get out of here you're getting on my nerves I'm a crummudgeon the old beast man and so like okay sorry then they leave and then um, he's all sensitive to ID like come on please I know I yelled at your friends but I really want you guys to wake up and then he sees multiple men on TV um, who's still talking. And then a bunch of multiple men show up and start trying to push through the crowd to save the day from something that hasn't happened yet. Um, so our X-Men spring into action. Uh, the senator tries to get away. Um, Angel just flies away. I enjoyed seeing North Star for a minute. Um, I kind of feel like uh, maybe he's going to hook up with this photographer guy. At a later date, but we'll see. Um, Is he not married anymore after? The I would <laughs> think so, but I haven't seen his husband in a long, long time, so mm-hmm. I don't know. He's not a viable, He's not available.
2: So um, solo star unless he he's single though. So I suppose that
1: <laughs> that. true, true. Yeah. So then the the senator tries to get away. His bodyguards start shooting. Multiples of men. But they overrun and tackle the, the senator. Um, Angel flies off because uh, Psylocke, because she's not Asian anymore, she can't have a katana blade. She has a medieval sword and shield because she's British now. Well, let's think about
0: this. Did she have a katana or was it just like a side dagger that came out like of her fist?
1: Well, sometimes, some of both, yeah. But now, now she has full British weaponry. Um...
2: She's British because she's wearing jeans with a hole in the knee, like everyone in Britain does.
1: I actually do really like that she's wearing vans, because I like to wear vans. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I like Psylocke and I like vans, so the two go well together. Um, All right. And then the multiple men are too late. We couldn't stop it. Uh, They all teleport away. And then everyone says, Gene, what did you do? Why did the X Men attack the debate? And Gene panics. And then we go elsewhere, where Kitty is being held prisoner by Wonder Woman's lasso of Truth, and then also the Senator, and also dun-dun-dun, on the classic X-Cross Apocalypse, to be continued. Um, and these last two pages also as because well, they look slightly different. Better? <laughs> they look really good, I think. I think the last two pages... Maybe it's the coloring they do or look totally the lighter inking. They, they look different. Yeah, I, I would actually contend that the art looks pretty different all the way through the book. Um, yes. Uh-huh. Which is unfortunate because I'm an Azra fan, and there are really, really good pages, and there are really, really poor pages. And um, maybe it's just too much for him to do. Um,
2: I have an idea. It's not a very good one, but he's but be- he was shunted off this book to go to Kernan, hasn't he? Um, yeah. and this is this is the last one he's drawing. So I think maybe halfway through his process, he was like they were like, Oh you're doing Kernan? Um, or oh, do you want to do Kernan? And he was like, Yeah I want to do Conan. I don't want to be on this shit anymore. Um, <laughs> and so he just rushed it out and well not rushed it, that's a bad idea, but I feel like he that the, it was behind the scenes shenanigans which has led to some of the panels because this doesn't feel like Azra. He usually takes his there's a lot more detail in his work, um, and there's just weird panels, but then it's not as bad as the writing, so there's a plus.
0: I think we also have to take into account who the colorist is here, uh, because the color work does not do his pencils any any favors throughout this issue.
1: Well, but that's too bad, too, because I usually like Rosenberg as a colorist, Um
0: uh, my other question, I'm sorry, in the close, sorry to jump in, yeah is this Rosenberg related to Matthew Rosenberg, or is that totally unrelated?
1: I don't think so, I think it's a coincidence. I could be wrong, I'm not going to, I haven't done any genealogy or legal records checking, but I don't think they're related. It, but maybe the color,
2: they are. The color is very bland, it's, it's like one or two tones for the backgrounds as well, which make all the backgrounds feel like mud, or just like. Blank, even though there's stuff there. Um, oh yeah, the
0: fighting scenes for sure are just blank, empty backgrounds. And I think there's
2: no like tone on people's. There isn't enough shadow, shadow, shadowing to like sort of define certain lines, and the inking's slightly off as well. As well as inking is just... mm-hmm. sometimes it's thick, and other times it's really thin. Uh, I think it's it's really ill-defined artistically throughout. Um, that was my major. Problem with the art and the fact that I couldn't. Te- As well, I used to be able to uh, produce a book where you could tell who the blonde kids were. or if everyone <laughs> you know, because like when he used to when he used to draw like, um, um Hulk for example, uh, um, with Amadeus when it was just a bunch of like soldiers, they he still managed to define like the soldiers. They uh, like in Red where he would still define crowd scenes. People would sort of look different. Worth f- and it, I, I find that I find it remarkable that
1: like three people were three people at the same You know what cracks me up, and this is gonna sound really mean spirited, and I don't mean it that way because I really am an Azadar fan. But I feel like everybody looks the same, but then the multiple men don't look the same. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Like they look inconsistent, but then for sure, the other for sure. the other male characters all look like the same guy. Like they're really multiple man and everyone else dressed like multiple man in cosplay. <laughs> okay, well, um so Georgie will talk about the backups in a minute. Um as far as this main story, I'm gonna just put it out there that I did not like it as well as the general public seems to. Because this seems to be a pretty well-received debut. But I think I I probably liked it a little bit more than you guys. So I'm kind of in the middle um, for whatever that's worth. Um,
2: I've seen seen a lot of people that are kind of disappointed or um, like in the middle like you where they don't find it offensive, but they don't find it amazing as well. So I think it's... From, from looking at like Comic Book Roundup as well, I think there's quite a lot of um, sort of mixed feelings about it. If that
1: makes sense? Yeah. So I, I, do wanted, I do like and want to talk about, so after I read the book and kind of stepped away, I was kind of mulling over my thoughts. And at first, I echoed a sentiment that I'm pretty sure you guys are both going to say and that the trope of the vaccine has been done way too much and this isn't really different enough to warrant any kind of like new storytelling. But then, and you guys don't have to agree with this at all. And that's perfectly fine. But, um, I was kind of thinking about the difference of like a vaccine and a cure. And I started trying to, cause one of my favorite things about X-Men book is how relevant when it's good that it is to culture and the kind of the commentary on, on what things we're dealing with and stuff like that. And, you know, t- as, When X Men is at its best, it should evoke the struggles of marginalized people groups. And I started thinking of what the difference of a cure and a vaccine would be and how it kind of couches the oppression in kind of a false compassion. And I thought that was an interesting beat. And kind of the way I looked at it was I was thinking about, I guess, one thing, and I think the three of us, and probably most of my listeners would agree. That being prejudiced or bigotrous is pretty monstrous. Um, to intentionally stand against a people group just based on who they are is pretty monstrous. Um, because that's just how that works. But I think so. I think to try to change somebody or to try to cure somebody, whether it be of a mutant gene or of their race or of their sexual orientation. You know, like, like those crappy, you know, uh, redoctrination camps that some people try to send their their children to because their sexuality is different. It's just horrible and monstrous. Um, and I would even dare say abusive. But so that I think would kind of line up with like the kind of the typical ex cure and speak to that. But then I started thinking about like, they, they really, the senator's the speech is less anti-mutant though it is i think at its core we're just couched in a language of we don't want to change them because they're mutants we just want to help them not be as dangerous and give them the choice to kind of opt out of being dangerous and so i i thought and probably going way beyond what anyone writing the book thought about but here's, (laughs) here's where it kind of hit me i i thought about particularly like um stats as far as depression and suicide like among trans people especially younger people and I thought you know there's internal and external factors that go into that there's kind of the internal struggle of knowing who you are and not connecting to your own biology there's the external you know of all the bigotry and stigma and everything that goes into them not having the space to figure things out all the time and I thought about what if some, obviously we can't, we don't know. There's not like a genetic marker that says that we can change. But if someone came out and said, Hey, we don't want to mess with anyone that's already doing stuff, but you know, if we can spare these people, this anguish by just turning that off, I, I think we would be surprised by people that we thought were reasonable. That would be like, well, yeah, maybe that could help them. And, you know, I, I think the X-Men would say and we would say that the proper response is no, to give them space and assistance to figure out who they are, because everyone is better if we're all different. <laughs> you know, and homogeny is not good, but, but I think well-meaning people could take that because when you couch bigotry and oppression and you put it in the language of compassion, I think that tricks a lot of people. So I thought that subtle difference between a vaccine that's more preventative and giving people options versus a straight up cure was a little bit different spin. Um, So anyway, that's just kind of the way it hit me well after I read the book, not why I was reading it. (laughs) I think you
0: definitely put more thought into that than (laughs) the writers.
1: I, I do agree that there is
0: a slight difference there, but ultimately what you're still getting at is taking away these powers or or attributes of people.
1: Right, right. So there's very,
0: it's a small distinction, I I guess.
2: I I read it more like, um, uh, your country has a a lot of issues with the flu vaccine, vaccinations and vaccinations in general for children. And this mutant, um, you know, there's pro and against, obviously. Um, And this mutant vaccine seems to be aimed at children. And I think it, it could be an interesting concept of having like the idea of setting up as if we give them the vaccine then your child won't be hated or feared right 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 right, right. and um i thought that could be a really interesting debate or the idea that but because at the same time the, the parents are taking away um the sort of natural natural world's gift that the child's been given right that child could Gain the ability to cure everything, and you've just taken it away from them and made the world a, a worse place. And I thought it would be an interesting way to put it across. However, counter to that, after reading the issue, this vaccine thing is either going to go two ways. It's either going to be forgotten, kind of like um, <laughs> it, oh yeah, in yeah, gold, yeah, in gold, where they did the whole mutants are being deployed, and then they just sort of threw that away. Or it's going to be used as a way to break the X team up, hence disassembled, with people being on one side of the vaccine and other people being on the other side of the vaccine debate. Right, kind of
1: like the X three movie.
2: Yeah. Um, I because of the sophistication or lack thereof of the writing of this book specifically, I don't think we're going to get. I really wish we get something that you've just described, Jason, Um, (laughs) but. I, I I don't. I feel like Tom Taylor would have given us something like that. Right, um, yeah, something and we a might little be, I,
0: complexity. Yeah.
2: <laughs> we, we might do. I might be completely wrong. We might get like uh, it's a tenant issues, so we might get like a massive arc about how like complex it is. But um, I don't feel that's like that's their priority. Um, in anything, because the story jumps around far too much to focus on that as a point. In fact, that mm. point is is like mutant vaccine <gasps> attack you know what i mean <laughs> it's quickly right. forgotten um and i don't know and also something that they really need to do if they're going to do the mutant vaccine and make it true is do what um astonishing did to begin with when wasn't that the first book that truly did the whole mutant cure um uh whedon's um run um and they connected it emotionally to beast right? Um, So I think if they're going to make it work, they need to connect it uh, emotionally to one of the characters we follow, or it's going to be hollow, completely hollow sentiment. Um, For sure.
0: And they they quickly take the center off
2: the, the chessboard.
0: So I feel like this is just... It's not It's not going to be followed up. It's not planned on being followed up. The rest of the book doesn't mention this at all. It's just like a, a way to get a lot of people in in one area at one point to have a, a quote-unquote interesting scene happen. Um, it, it, it feels kind of disingenuous to me. Cause the, I, I, I mean, I, as Dan said, we could be wrong, but I don't feel like this is going to be followed up uh, in any substantial way at all.
2: I want to be wrong because we always want good comics but I don't see that being the case. What is the problem, though, is I don't think it's a very good... My main problem with it, ignoring my fact, the fact that they erase X-Men Red's characterization, ignoring the fact that these kids aren't allowed, these ex-kids aren't allowed to be trained professionals, even though some of them have been on the team longer than Laura has, um, and all of that jazz, <laughs> is it, it's, not a, it's not a good issue one. It really isn't a good issue one. Like, it does not... It, ha- it has... Um, Apart from the, the slide at the beginning that tells you their names, it doesn't have like any identifiable, aside from Gene, any identifiable classic X-Men in it. So a person jumping on just for the title X-Men who may be expecting uh, Wolverine, Cyclops, uh, Rogue, Gambit, you know, the ones that have been in the movies and such forth. Um, it has no like no base character to anchor the story on. Um, you just get like a bunch of disparate elements being thrown around yeah um much like a morrison issue one but without morrison's ability to make it all work um it's like something's happening here and here and here we're trying to make it look like it's a it's like a crisis on several fronts um and they will all be important you know keep you know keep interested um (laughs) and I just feel like um, it has no defining character. None of the characters have any defining character traits. They all sort of slide into the same. All the boys sort of have the similar um, dialogue. Uh, I don't even think Bishop speaks. Um, Or maybe if he does, it's like five seconds. Um, And I I think I want to see how, like, um, Ian doesn't read comics that often. So I want to, like, give it to Ian and see if he can, like, digest it. Because I think there's... It's just all flash and bang and literally no substance. It's like walking into a shallow pool and the shards of glass underneath the water. Um, so I feel like it's, it, 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 it'd be really difficult for new readers. I don't know, it's because we've read comics for ages so we could read this and blah, like, oh, that's that, that's blah, 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 blah. And I, just I don't think this is going to call to any new readers. It's just going to call, call to the core fans. And I think that's a mistake going forward. Uh, for the for the whole franchise as a whole it definitely does feel as you said like a lot of desperate
0: things happening at once you know my review on twitter was that it was just very unfocused there's a lot of stuff happening and no one to really focus on there's too many characters and not enough of them get lines or or any characterization it's just like stuff happens because the writers thought this would be cool things to happen and, and none of the characters actually react to them in the way that they naturally would. So it it just it feels like uh, like a bridge going nowhere. I, I don't know what, <laughs> what it's, it's trying to set up it doesn't engage like visually it's lacking dialogue wise it's boring it's just it, you know it's an overall I would call ugly issue um, and, and that's not just a, a dig at the artwork which, as, as you mentioned, Jason, has some nice panels, but is generally kind of off the mark. It's just not, not. it's uninspired. It's it's kind of really, like, blah. I want to point out, while I still have the microphone, the page of, <laughs> sorry. Um, Angel is, is standing next to Polaris. And I want you to take a look at the shadows on Angel's shirt that look like they were just sort of pasted on haphazardly. Uh, around his muscles. Uh, like the showcase where his, his like head would be shadowing on his his shirt. It looks like. Oh, sidewalk. You mean? Yeah. People didn't put in the time on this. Like, this is an obvious example of someone just being like, yeah, just slap some like random shadows on there and let's move on.
1: You know what? And not to get really nitpicky, but I'm going to for just a second since you are um, the shadow around their faces and sidewalks hair in that panel Looks like old comics where the colors aren't quite in the lines. Um, yeah, I don't. Which is fine when you're reading, you know, seventies <laughs> stuff, but it shouldn't look like that in two thousand eighteen.
2: Um, there's a lot of like um, mismatched digital coloring. I know it's all digitally colored, but some that like quite much like the shadows there. There's quite a lot of like truly artificial looking mm-hmm. coloring compared yeah, to yeah. Uh, some of the more natural colors that they use. There's too much block coloring. As well, too much like copy and paste fill fill that entire section with that color. Exactly, yeah. Too much of that is going on, and too much white space. So much white space, as opposed to actual backgrounds. Um, yeah, just feels like because uh, you have a, a panel of Jamie in front of uh is it Capitol Hill or whatever it is, um and then there's a panel where he where it's just white behind him and him shouting on it on on you know, at the crowd. And then you, yeah. you, flip the, you flip the page and you have Beast in this, this lab, um, which has a little bit more de- definition to it. And then as soon as it's any kind of group of people, all the definition, all the background is gone, like just vanished. It's just a, a, a stark gray color. And it doesn't allow for any sort of um, location to pop out or any, any definition for the characters to be in. It's just like an easy fix. Uh, if I just make it gray, then I don't have to, like, light the characters up or anything. Um, I don't know.
1: Yeah. So before we move to the backup stories, oh, not to start another tangent, but I do just want to point out that none of us have even mentioned what was supposed to be one of the biggest selling points in this book, and that's the mystery. Um, that was a selling point. Oh,
0: right. Well, I was kind of going to get to it towards the end, but, okay. uh, but we can totally work go on and now.
2: Can can I point out out one thing that that, that, um, proves sort of that the book is about the writers are more concerned about plotting than they are about actually anything else is that um, Enol as a character is a sort of lizard uh, mutant and has regrown an entire limb yet he hasn't got the healing factor to just stop a knock on the head (laughs) (laughs) Um, because it it serves the story Uh, much like extermination Everything serves the story. Multiple men should not have been able to defeat or even stop that group of that group of X-Men. But It serves the story, Um, yeah. Especially when we've seen Iceman in his own comic create an entire army of himself. Right. Yeah. Um, It it sort of everything serves the story, and it's 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 a problem.
1: (laughs) Yeah.
0: So this, Mister Jason, what do you want to talk about here?
1: Oh, no, I, I just wanted to talk about the fact that there wasn't enough going on for us to even really talk about it. Like, <laughs> like We've been talking about this book for a while and haven't even brought that up because it doesn't really matter. Um, but I do think it's interesting because a lot of people are chattering about... You know, It's cool to see that like there's another shadowy figure. I I think that's just people wondering. We,
0: we know who it is, though, already. <laughs> it's, it's like we know because they're already not... He's got a whole universe of books coming. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a mystery, mystery when you have the uh, solicit[s] have been out right. for months. So yeah, like, yeah, say, so this
1: guy's
2: mentions. coming. Yeah, yeah. It's not yeah. A I'm so com- I'm so confused. I thought you thought the I thought you meant the mystery was apocalypse reveal and not. <laughs>
1: oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but like, who's manipulating and who's talking to Angel? Uh... If they're in a white room, why is there grass on the horizon uh, beneath Apocalypse? Um, <laughs> why is there grass? Why why is there grass on that's that's the biggest that of the book. Si- I thought that was someone's signature.
2: Because no,
1: no. In, in the other panels, it looks like the wall is just cracking. Like right? there's holes in the drywall.
0: No, there's there's, the, there's a part behind the senator where you can see grass, like a little flower.
1: Oh yeah. So he's he's building his new world and so one cancelling out one white space at a time, I guess. So
2: And uh, why why does this why does the evil mysterious man's, man's teleporter the same effect as mobile man's teleporter? Like yeah, I don't
1: it's related. But there's cannonball. cannonball yeah. there. Yeah, he flies through <laughs> teleporting multiples, man. He said what the heck? He had a line.
2: Oh yeah. oh a dialogue. I, mean, I know she's British again, or in her British body, but if I have to hear her say bloody one more bloody time, um, I'm going to go mental. She's not uh, Michael Kane I, like,
1: I, could... I now have an intense desire yeah. to see Michael Kane in Psylocke cosplay. <laughs>
2: I was just like, why is she constantly saying bloody? It's not the only, the only thing we said. Like, she might as well say stroof. <laughs> yeah.
0: I kind of want to see the issue where she switches bodies with Michael Caine now.
1: Yeah, there
0: you
1: <laughs> go. Uh, all right. Well, we should probably move on to the uh, yeah. bonus material that justifies our empty price tag. Sure. Justified. <laughs> Yeah, so What Tomorrow Brings, parts one, two, and three, where our three writers, instead of writing together, write separately. Sure. So um,
0: I'm just going to read all the the creatives at once, and then we can go through the stories here. But part one, which is Bishop's story, writer is Matthew Rosenberg, and artist is Mirko Kolak. Part two, a Jean Grey story, writer is Kelly Thompson with artist Ibrahim uh, Robertson. Uh, part three: An Armor and Nolly story. Uh, Writers Ed Brisson, penciler is Mark Bagley, inker is Andrew Hennessy, and the epilogue with writer Kelly Thompson. Once again, penciler Mark Bagley and inker Andrew Hennessy. Um, so here we go. So All starting right. off with uh, a Bishop story. It, it's almost like a detective story here. Bishop is on the the search for, uh, you know, what crazy. Time, escape, mysteries is happening, and he's searching for Dark Beast. He's following people. He goes into a building where people have been burned and he, he misses Beast. So he continues to search. He finds another location, goes in. Some dude in, in like a weird Cyclops mask attacks him with like a, a hatchet, uh, but he turns out to be a robot. Uh, Bishop goes further into this building and finds the Sugar Man who. Somehow is talking like a real person and not like how Sugarman talks, which is very different. Um, uh, Bishop gets zapped. He wakes up. Sugarman's been killed. Um, and Sugarman was like, "Oh no, someone was trying to get me!" Uh, before he was he was killed. And that's the end of the Bishop story. Um, to be honest, even though I was kind of flippant with this story, this is probably the best of the backups that we get. Um, sure. Artwork. Our Artwork our felt it felt consistent um it didn't not from his gun. It, yeah it's a little kind of scratchy and i don't know sort of an indie gritty feel which i i didn't dislike um and actually the writing here was you know not too terrible it i think part of what what hurts the, the main story is that you have three writers all writing where these backups at least sound like a singular voice uh Per story, so this felt like a singular person writing writing the story, which was better. Um, So I would, you know, I would rate this better than than the main story. Um, Do you guys want to rate these by by backup or or Yeah, we
1: can we can roll them all up. Okay. Moving
0: on to what tomorrow brings, part two, a Jean Grey story where Jean Grey is drawn like Mary Jane, I guess. I, she's she's aged like 10 years I don't know. Anyway, we're in Jean Grey's in a cafe and she's watching the news and this old woman sits down and starts talking to her about uh the woes of the world and it feels very much like someone trying to bring like social justice warrior issues into a comic in the most obvious and unartistic ways possible. Uh there's no subtlety in in this at all and it's basically them just talking. Um, and then this old woman disappears aurora shows up and you know for a moment i was like what if we just got aurora and gene talking that would be nice you know we used to get x-men issues where characters would, would just have interactions and that would be enough but unfortunately that cannot be the case because randoms just start getting powers and start attacking and then that's the end of that story
1: yeah that was my favorite art of the backups I know Gene didn't quite look like Gene, but I thought it was the cleanest art. And I thought the colors and the art went really well together. Cool. All right.
0: I'm moving on to what Tomorrow Brings Part 3 an Armor and Noli's an story, where they complain about not being real X-Men anymore and being sent down <laughs> to
2: the sewers so that... The best part of the entire book is that meta. Yeah. Um,
0: that I love it. <laughs> More... And they are attacked by Dark Beast, who... I don't remember him having black fur, but, you know, fair enough. Um,
1: well, it was dark gray, so...
0: Sure. Um, <laughs> uh, they get attacked by Dark Beast. They kind of fight him off, and they're like... They're about to go after him, and then Aurora's like, Hey, we need you on the top. We need everybody. And they're like, Well, we actually had a mission. And like, Too bad. Screw your mission. Come join us. Um, and they... Come up out of the ground to maybe the worst-looking page of the entire book.
2: <laughs> of that's what of, the shock on their faces is about. Yeah,
0: they're fighting like like mutants in the terms of like old Hammer film kind of mutants, like like wolf people <laughs> and like insect people. For some reason, I don't know yeah. how this started, but suddenly there's these like other kind of mutants out there. So they're fighting, and Gene's trying to talk to these people. And they're like, we can't help it. Someone's controlling us. Um, and despite Jean being like an Omega level uh, telepath, she can't break three, uh, break through. Um, we have a panel of like giant storm fighting a tiny little person. Or maybe this is just a tiny, really, really tiny person fighting a regular size storm. I don't know what's happening in that panel. I just thought it was worth pointing out that the size discrepancy is ridiculous
1: Uh, What panel are you
0: talking about? uh, It's a panel next to... Gene's talking to the kid who has a Spider-Man t-shirt and a Walkman. And Uh uh, next to it is is Storm, who who is either like giant-sized or... I don't know what... I think that's a little
1: wasp lady. I don't know.
0: Okay. I didn't even... Why is is Storm so huge with everyone else like tiny below her? Perspective. (laughs) That is not perspective. That is just like...
1: Lazy, yeah, this is, just, this is Bagley at his worst,
0: definitely. Um, then we get more people fighting, and then this old lady gets crushed by falling bricks, and Jean's upset, and then suddenly people stop fighting. And uh, at the end, Anolian Armor, are like, Yeah, screw you guys, we're not, we should be regular X Men, I can't believe you treat us so badly. Um, and that's the end of that story. And then, epilogue, we've got Bishop, like, Oh no, my. My time displacement unit isn't functioning correctly. What's going on? And, and Gene's cradling this old woman. And then someone in the shadows is like, it's not over, Gene. It's only beginning. And he turns, and suddenly he's in, like, full body suit as he walks away. And it's obviously x Man, And end of the story.
1: Oh. See, I thought it was obviously Winter Soldier. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean... There, there's different levels of art here. I mean, obviously, the Bagley art is the worst of the Oh, it's
1: gross. My yeah. goodness.
0: Um, But I, I just felt, even though the first half wasn't a great book, it wasn't the worst thing. But these backups don't do this, this book any, any favors at all. Nope. It really drags no. everything down.
1: Yeah, I, I kind of feel like instead of charging us three extra dollars for the backup, I should have got three dollars off. I know. Read the backups.
0: Yeah, especially that page where they come out of the sewers. It's, I don't know what happened to Bagley. Uh, Dan, I think we were talking about it, and you said it looked like Bagley was trying to draw while he was driving or while he was on a, <laughs> roller, coaster on a roller coaster or
2: something. Uh, he's drawing while he's on a roller coaster. He's just trying to have fun. He's yeah. Working. Okay. It's... This is Which all. Is really... um, once he gets to the epilogue, his work t- tightens up like immediately. Once we get to the epilogue pages, it's not amazing, but they like the storm and the bishop. They're really like compared to what it was. They're really oh. like tight and like Bagley draws. Are they the other ones like Bagley just having an off day? Um, I, I'm not really
0: a Bagley fan. Uh, but so even this epilogue is not really doing it for me. But the, the story beforehand is really something spectacular in, in, it, in its awfulness.
2: Yeah. I think artistically, for me, the middle story is, even if it is, um, let's be fair, all red-headed women look the same these days in the Marvel comics. So, who cares? Um, <laughs> uh, uh, if, we can, if we can have all the blonde guys look the same, we might as well have everyone look the same. Mm-hmm. Um, so, But I think that's the better artwork colour and pencils um is the middle story. I'd say that even though it's so achingly written, like I am a cool I'm a cool writer, I do cool noir things and detective things, I think the Bishop one is the best story.
1: Eh, I was bored
2: <laughs> I think the problem I think the problem is um with the middle story for me is that once it it's it's regurgitating in a very Matter of fact way elements that we've already seen in red. Yeah,
0: but done much poor like. Yes. Yeah.
2: <laughs> the quality. And, and this has no nuance. It's just like. Yes. It's like when some like if you're in an office and your boss just slams a paperwork in front of you and it just says issues on the paperwork, and you have to go through all of the, like issues that are dealing Earth is dealing with and it. I hate the way it it is purposely. Um, almost like a, a tutorial for a computer game, hand-holding you to elements of the next parts of the story. The kids will rebel at one point against the older adults. Uh, there's this, this, old, this old woman wants to change the world, well, uh, X-Men wants to change the world because the world's just rubbish at the moment. And then it's, Bishop will be relevant at some point. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it just feels like, I don't know, it just feels really badly done.
0: Yeah, I mean if I could give if we're gonna rate all three of these back, backups together, like these are getting the lowest grades possible.
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well total package. I think we've expounded quite a bit. What do you guys want to give Uncanny X-Men number one?
2: Um taking into account everything, its price tag and who it's supposed to be aimed at.
0: Is gonna get two. Okay. You know, I was gonna give it a two, but then you mentioned the, the price tag, and just thinking <laughs> about all like the, the chore it was to read through the second half of this thing. I'm gonna give this a one. This is the most disappointing X book I've read in a long time. You know, despite <laughs> what the, what we had to deal with, with with gold, I feel like this was even more disappointing.
1: Yeah. So I'm probably going to end up at the two mark, but I would actually give the main story a three. Like I said, I'm not liking it as much as some people, but probably one of the new guys and the backups I didn't like at all. And so that's going to probably drag. probably the whole book on average would be two out of six claws, which is really unfortunate. But I don't know. Maybe they can pull it together. I mean, they got they got ten weeks, so maybe something good can happen. Before every we, issue,
2: we run away. F- oh, sorry. Go ahead, Dan. Is every issue eight dollars?
1: No, I, It better not be for eight bucks a week. No way. You imagine eighty dollars? <laughs> oh my gosh! No, I we would quit talking about it. I would just say, don't read it, guys. <laughs>
0: I want to bring up X-Man here at the end because obviously he's the mystery behind everything. Um, so we had issues of people just teleporting away. We had problems with kitties suddenly not being able to control their powers and disappearing. Somehow apocalypse has been canceled, uh, sorry, captured. People are under like mental control, and Gene can't like push through and figure out what's going on. Like they've made X-Man this omnipotent person. Uh, he's, he's trying to chase down people from the age of apocalypse, uh, even though uh, like he wouldn't have the power to send them back to that universe. So why they'd be afraid of him anyway, I don't understand. Um, it's just like what what level uh, is this Franklin Richards? I mean, who is what has <laughs> x Man become? He has so when, he has mental when... powers, maybe maybe equivalent to Jean Grey. But coupled with that is is sort of the energy attacks of his father. So he's he's built to be this giant battery of power that was supposed to be used just to take out Apocalypse. And that was it. That's all he was created for in Age of Apocalypse. So to suddenly be like, and he can do whatever he wants, and now he's Jesus and he's creating a whole another universe, it doesn't make any sense to me.
2: The irony, the irony of all this, is, or not the irony, but the ridiculousness of all this is that this, this age of a age of x Man thing is, is another rehash. Because if he's going to be... <laughs>
1: <laughs> Always saying hi. 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 <laughs> they said hi, and You can't hear them. They're in my headphones.
2: Bless them. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's, a, it's a rehash, Dan? Yeah, because um, when Warren Ellis took over x Man to cancel it, he made him a second coming messiah. So, like, to have him, like, a messiah again, but this time with a beard, is kind of yet another reason all these books are just recycling elements. And it's just, it's, it's, it's really odd. And, like, they nerfed x Man because the whole point, when he came into our universe, right. He obviously, was, like, an omnipotent telepath and telekinetic and all this jazz. Um, but they literally hi. nerfed him. <laughs> like, <laughs>
1: exactly. they, they, they said hi. You're
2: not going to hear him. But, um, like, he could phase... He personally could phase through things to he uses telekinesis to phase through things. And I can imagine him being a telepath. He could control Kitty's powers to go through the plane. And, I don't know, the teleportation could be that he's stolen some sort of device. But he does feel like they've just decided to make him godlike again, even though yeah. I'm sure he was pretty much broken for ages after, like... He's in The New Mutants at one point, where he had literally limited control over his power, and he had hardly any... Is that all fixed now, I imagine? Obviously. I thought he died. Didn't he die? He died, then he came back. But without any of his power. Really.
1: (laughs) Yeah, he died right there. That's right. (laughs) Isn't that funny? (laughs) Alright. Well, I guess that's
0: enough of us ranting about this.
1: Yeah, you see Spider-Man? Yeah, there is Spider-Man. So Spider Man is on the cover of Iceman number three. <laughs> Ollie is gonna dictate uh how much longer we can go, guys. Oh. We? You see Spider Man? Okay. Ollie sees Spider Man on my Iceman cover. So yeah, um Right there. Yeah, right there. So uh <laughs> real quick guys, what did we think of Iceman and Domino?
2: I really love Domino. Um uh, Iceman's cover is like one of my favorite covers. Full stop. Um, I really like the dialogue in Iceman, but the art's still just a bit of a mess for me. Um, for Lego. Yeah, yeah I, I have to echo those issues. Uh, the inside of Iceman is a mess. Not a
0: bad cover, fun dialogue. Domino was great as always.
1: Yep. So, Iceman, I thought the story felt the most in sync with the first volume of, of these three issues. Um. Really, yep. actually, dug the story quite a bit. The art, I'm just not into, you know. And I've decided more than anything else, I don't necessarily love the action. But where I really oh. am struggling with Stockman is his human faces. Yeah. Um, oh and, yeah. And facial expressions because looking at a Spider-Man in the mask is a lot less offensive to me <laughs> than <laughs> uh. than like. Firestar's faces or, or even Iceman's faces. Um so yeah. But I thought the story was really, really fun. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um and then Domino thought the art was great. Uh probably from a plotty perspective, my least favorite of the eight issues didn't really get into the Morbius thing that much, but was still a pretty good issue, I mean, compared to to the whole scope of comics. So but I thought the art was... I'm loving Valdeon on this book. Oh, yeah. And...
0: The art is amazing.
1: Alright. Well, that's gonna do it for this episode. Uh, Ollie waking up not feeling well is kind of uh, put a little damper on it. But um, where, guys, can they find you on Excalibur's? Well, you can find us
2: on Twitter at Excalibur's1. You can find us If you type Excalibur into Google, they should bring up the iTunes, the Ditcher, we're on Podbean. I believe we're everywhere, (laughs) apart from SoundCloud. Um, So it's not going to be that hard. If you just go to the Twitter, you'll find everything.
1: Heck yeah, and that's a great show. So you guys should be listening to that. Um, Hear them talk about old exiles, Excalibur, and new exiles. Anything to add, Georgie? Uh,
0: all I want to say is there are rumors that, um, uh, Excalibur may be coming back. So stay tuned for that.
1: Okay. I did see where, uh, Jordan White said that was his favorite book. So he may make it happen, I guess.
2: That sounds more like a threat than a...
1: <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All right. It's going to well, be all, all Pete Wisdom only. Oh, gosh. Oh, goodness. Um, all right. Well, uh, for the podcast that goes snicked, of course, you can like the Facebook page. Twitter is at snickcast. Um I do apologize. We kind of had to compress the last part of this episode. But I really, as always, enjoy talking to you guys. Um, I probably enjoyed talking about Uncanny more than I did reading it. So thank you guys for the experience.
0: <laughs> Anytime.
1: My <God>, pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> all right well until next time everybody hugs and snicks bye-bye bye right. and snacked.